Snipe Hunt, the frightening folklore podcast, starts now. I am your storyteller for the evening, Darren Young. I was originally going to post a different episode this week, but was unable to due to unforeseen circumstances. I will keep those circumstances a secret for now, but I promise, all shall be revealed in due time. I had to scramble to get something else together quickly, so I thought this would be the perfect time to do an Encounters episode. In our Encounters series, we relay true stories from real people. Spooky encounters, bizarre encounters, unexplainable encounters. You name it, we have it here. I prefer that these stories get sent to me at snipehuntpodcast at gmail.com, but since I had no time, I pulled these stories from various parts of the web. I usually don't do announcements on these, but since it's extremely noticeable, we have a snazzy new logo. We still keep our mascot, a bird with a bag on its head, representing the prank our podcast is named after, but now it better reflects the strange and frightening content we discuss. I hope you like the new logo and our new ghostly bird. I know I do. Shout out to graphic designer Jimmy John YD on Fiverr. Now let's get to some stories. Our first one comes from the book, True Stories of Unexplained Disappearances and Strange Encounters in the Woods, by Stephen Young. I picked this story not only because it takes place in my home state of Arkansas, but also because it is truly mysterious. I have titled this story, Seeking Shelter, by Anonymous. Our story involved two of our dogs, German Shepherds, brother and sister, four years old at the time. We had purchased a very remote cabin in the Ozarks, near Eureka Springs, Arkansas, three years ago, deep in a wooded area on top of a mountain, very inaccessible by car or foot. We only had one neighbor, quite distant, and our anchorage of 45 anchors was surrounded on three sides by natural park land. Our dogs had a lot of freedom to run and play, but were always under our supervision due to the presence of many large wild animals wolves, bears, wild hogs, mountain lions, and we were always armed with a gun when they, or we, were outside the house. A very rugged and untamed area, and to me anyway, frightening and forbidding. There was also a huge cavern running under the property. On three occasions, at dusk, these two German shepherds ran to the top of a rocky ridge at the edge of our cleared yard area 250 yards from the cabin and disappeared through the forest and over the edge, down the mountainside while we were screaming for them to come back. The weather would turn very stormy and cold following these disappearances, and we could not follow them anyway because of the density of the woods. Each time they reappeared after two days of wet weather, they would come up the long covered front porch and scratch at the door. Here is the very strange thing. After two days and three nights of being out in the wild, they would return in a dry, pristine condition. No wet, tangled fur, no mud on their paws or bodies, no burrs, leaves, or forest stuff on them at all. These are long-haired shepherds, everything gets in their fur. It was like they had been picked up and carried, and the cave had a very damp and muddy floor. No way they had been in there, but where did they go? These are obedient and well-trained dogs. They have never disobeyed until we moved to that mountain. We sold the cabin soon after. Our dogs are like family, and these vanishings unnerved us. 
This spot is eerie and lonely enough to make a person edgy and uncomfortable anyway. I promise you that there is something very wrong there. I never went out after dark, and these dogs have never run away like that since. You tell me what caused these dogs to leave and what sheltered them. We remain puzzled. The dogs ran over the ridge and never looked back with any hesitation. And the weather followed the disappearances, not preceded. The house sits on an old Civil War campground and was also a Native American spot. My wife had an experience inside the cabin one night while I was away. She got up to use the bathroom and when she returned a few minutes later, there was a brand new comforter on the bed. She was constantly hearing low sounds of conversation outside the house, laughter, singing, and talking, all on an almost inaudible, murmuring level. She had to have two fans at night to try to block out the sounds with white noise. She also saw lights moving through the forest at night. We put up heavy drapes to block this. All in all, a very spooky place. We live now in a remote wooded area of Northeast Texas. Definitely a densely packed story. I want to start by corroborating a few things. One, I have been to the areas near Eureka Springs multiple times and I can confirm that it is a very hilly, densely wooded area and caves are common in those parts. Now there aren't actually any wolves or bears, but wild hogs and even mountain lions are definitely a possibility in the area. And lastly, as the owner of a long-haired shepherd-related dog, I can definitely confirm that everything gets in their hair, especially in the hair between their paw pads. So let's break it down. The dogs would run away without hesitation. The weather would become stormy after the disappearance. The dogs would return two days later totally clean and pristine. There's only one other neighbor, which I assume is in a different direction. And the rest is natural parkland. I have two possible explanations, one logical and, of course, one paranormal. The dogs jumping down the ridge reminded me of the so-called Dog Suicide Bridge in Scotland. At this bridge, dogs would jump off without any hesitation, and over 300 dogs had done so. Over 50 of them died. Some residents believe that the bridge is a thin place between our world and the afterlife, and that it is haunted. And somehow this haunted bridge is causing dogs to deliberately kill themselves. The more rational explanation is that the sounds and smells of small animals below the bridge, such as mink and pine martens, drive the dogs into a frenzy and jump over the wall of the bridge, not knowing that a large gorge lies below. So my rational theory is this. Maybe the dogs run off chasing an animal, too caught up in the hunt to obey orders and go deep into the woods, maybe to an unknown neighbor's house. Or maybe they're reacting to the upcoming bad weather. Maybe that neighbor cleans them up and sends them back on their way. Unlikely, sure, but it's the best I can come up with. The submitter implies a supernatural explanation, given the alleged history of the place, the mysterious cave, and the experiences of the wife, I can see how he would draw that conclusion. Now, let me throw my own paranormal hat into the ring. The dogs run away without hesitation, seemingly called by a force they cannot resist. Bad weather immediately follows, indicating a disturbance in the atmosphere, maybe by some unseen and unheard craft. The dogs are gone for days, but come back perfectly clean and healthy. Maybe they were abducted by aliens. 
Yeah, yeah, I can feel your eyes rolling now, and I don't blame you. For me, at least as far as paranormal explanations go, it all matches up a little too well. Even explains the lights in the woods that were so bright they had to get curtains for. As for why aliens would abduct German shepherds, well, maybe it's just because they're too damn cute. This next story comes from the Paranormal subreddit and was posted by user Tim the Demon. The user titled it, I may have witnessed two entities on a camping trip. A few years ago, my mom and I decided to take a road trip. We were going to different camping slash hiking spots along the California coast and were in the Big Sur area at the time of this particular incident. It was getting to be later in the day, so we had sort of been scrambling to find a campsite to sleep at. I can't remember the exact details, but for some reason we ended up going up this long, windy mountain road that seemed to go up forever. Eventually at the top, we found a secluded site with camp spots and even a bathroom. We didn't see anyone around, but the sun was about to go down, so we figured we would find the person in charge in the morning and pay them then. By now it was dark, and we had been around the fire for a few hours. Our sight was right at the edge of the trees. I heard some rustling coming from that direction and looked up. Two people walking, one in front of the other, dressed in all white clothes, perfectly clean clothes. The person in front had their arm back to hold the other person's hand, but they both looked straight ahead and didn't acknowledge me or my mom whatsoever. They walked out of the woods, past us, and right back into the trees. Here's what's weird. Both had no lights, were barefoot, and had no belongings with them, and were not dressed warmly. It was probably around 40 degrees, pitch dark, and rough terrain, not to mention the gut-wrenching heart drop feeling I got when I saw them. I asked my mom if she saw that, and she said no, even though she was facing the same direction as me. I was on edge the rest of the night and had trouble sleeping. In the morning, my mom found the camp owner, paid him, and told him what I had seen. He replied nonchalantly, Oh yeah, those are the night walkers. People see them around here sometimes. When she asked him if he thought this was paranormal, he said, Pretty damn sure. Got the hell out of there as soon as I could. So this story seems to have more simple explanations than the first, at least with the information provided. The Reddit user later expounded on the descriptions of the entities, saying he couldn't really make out facial features, but they had light skin and brown hair. The clothes that they were wearing were like white linen long sleeve shirts and pants. So maybe these are ghosts of some kind, either residual or intelligent. Residual hauntings are characterized by the ghosts repeating the same things they did in life, unaware of and unable to interact with any current outside force. This might explain why these entities did not acknowledge the witness nor his mother in any way. This would also explain why the mom did not see these very visible figures. The other explanation would be that these are simply just people walking by. As one commenter put it, quote, barefoot homeless people are a common sight in California, end quote. To which our submitter thought it would be weird that these homeless people would be in the middle of nowhere with no visible homeless camps around. Another commenter confirmed that there was no homeless population living in that part of the Big Sur area. The white linen uniforms reminded me of another phenomenon that is common in California. Cults. 
It could be possible that there was a small cult compound or campsite nearby. This would also explain the people being in a remote area, as cults often isolate themselves to such places. Although this would not explain why the mother did not see them. Not really related to this encounter, but I can't help mention the local folklore since it also takes place in this exact area. The Dark Watchers are shadowy entities that are seen in the Santa Lucia Mountains of California. They are giant, featureless, dark silhouettes that appear against the mountain, ever silent, but always watching. They are famously mentioned in Thomas Steinbeck's short story, Flight. Pepe looked suspiciously back every minute or so, and his eyes sought the tops of the ridges ahead. Once, on a white barren spur, he saw a black figure for a moment, but he looked quickly away, for it was one of the Dark Watchers. No one knew who the Watchers were, nor where they lived, but it was better to ignore them and to never show interest in them. They did not bother one who stayed on the trail and minded his own business. Perhaps fortunately, the Dark Watchers seemed to be nothing more than an optical illusion called a Brocken Spectre. A Brocken Spectre, aka Mountain Spectre, can occur in certain atmospheric conditions when the sun is at a particular angle. The subject's shadow can be cast onto a cloud bank around them, creating the illusion of a large, shadowy humanoid figure. So it's your own shadow that is casted onto a mountainside or cloud bank, giving the appearance of a gigantic figure. This explains why the Dark Watchers often sport hats and walking sticks, as they are just the shadows of hikers. The name Nightwalker also brings to mind a pair of California cryptids, the similarly named Fresno Night Crawlers. These nocturnal beings have been caught on film and resemble a disembodied walking pair of white pants. I don't think the entities in our story have anything to do with these cryptids, but I couldn't help draw the connection in both the names and the fact that they both seemingly have white pants. We'll most likely do a full episode on the Nightcrawlers. I'll definitely add it to the topic voting list, which is exclusive to Patreon supporters. Hint, hint. Our next story isn't a typical paranormal one, but it is still bizarre. Oftentimes when I ask for stories for this series, people often say they never experienced something supernatural. My response to them is you don't think you've experienced something supernatural because you just wrote it off in your mind as nothing more than an unusual occurrence. I love these stories too, and this one is the perfect example of that. This comes from the subreddit Glitch in the Matrix. If you're unfamiliar with this term, I recommend listening to our episode on these odd events. Episode 11, Glitches in Reality. This story was posted by the user Snug666, and I have given it the alternative title, Forky Friday. I am an only child and I live at home with my parents. My mom is currently in a different state for work and has been for 10 weeks. On Friday around 5 a.m., my dad left to go to his friend's house in New Hampshire to golf, and he got back Sunday afternoon. My dad and I share chores around the house while my mom is gone, and I am extremely weird with touching wet food or just old food in general. Same. So my dad always rinses the dishes and then runs the dishwasher, and all I have to do is put them away. Our dishwasher automatically opens when it's finished cleaning. That's how I know when they're ready to be put away. He left for New Hampshire Friday morning before I woke up. I was upstairs doing homework and watching Netflix basically all morning until I went down to eat lunch before work. 
I made myself one of those microwave mac and cheese cup things and went to the silverware drawer to get a fork and noticed there was barely any in there. We have big forks and little forks and I prefer the big ones, but there was only the little ones in there. I looked in the dishwasher, which was closed, meaning it was empty, but I checked just in case it was closed by accident and there was nothing in there. I remember being super confused because the sink was empty and so was the dishwasher. I had no clue where all the dishes and silverware were. I decided to just ask my dad later when he called to check in on me, as he always does when he's away, and grabbed one of the little forks from the drawer and ate my mac and cheese. After I got home from work, I made myself some pasta for dinner. Don't flame me for only eating pasta all day, I'm lazy, okay? When I finished, I walked over to the drawer and got annoyed when I remembered that there were only little forks in there. I turned around to grab my phone to call and ask him where everything was, since he hadn't called yet. And when I did, the dishwasher caught my eye. It was open. I looked inside and it was full of clean dishes. There were all my big forks, all the dishes I had used recently, everything. I was freaking terrified. I don't know why it scared me so bad, but it did. I grabbed my pasta, my phone, and a fork as fast as I could out of the dishwasher and bolted up the stairs to my room. I immediately called my dad and told him what happened and asked when he did the dishes last. He said he did them that morning before he left for New Hampshire. If I asked if he came home at all, he said no. I am literally 100% positive that the dishwasher was empty when I made the mac and cheese earlier that day. I wasn't half asleep. I wasn't under the influence. I wasn't imagining it. Nothing. As I said before, I'm an only child. My mom is on the other side of the country, and my dad was three hours away by the time I even woke up that day. No one has the keys to my house but us. I was trying to think of everything I could to explain it. I was like, did someone break in, do my dishes, take nothing, and leave? Do I have a second dishwasher I never noticed till now and got them mixed up? Did I fall asleep and sleepwalk and do my dishes? The part that scares me the most is the fact that the dishes weren't in the sink either. They literally just were nowhere. Where were they? I know this is a super long and detailed story about some freaking forks, but I still am terrified. I don't know what to think about this. Once again, calling back to the glitches in reality episode, where we learned that human memory is unreliable at best and literally fabricates fake memories at the worst. It could be possible that you looked into the dishwasher really fast, but did not register that it was full of dishes. A kind of looked without seeing scenario. And then closed the dishwasher and remembered that the dishwasher was empty, even though he wasn't. Remember, he was expecting it to be empty because it was closed. That sounds stupid, but our brains are like computers. They glitch out sometimes. The story never mentioned him rechecking the dishwasher at that moment. So when he checks later, the dishes would still be there, just like they were before, but now his brain actually registers that fact. Sorry this is confusing, I don't know how else to communicate my theory. Like I said, it's a stretch, but so is disappearing and reappearing dishes. My only supernatural theory besides a glitch in reality is that this vanishing china would be caused by mischievous spirits. Think elves, gnomes, gremlins, etc. There's no real evidence for that, I'm just spitballing, but... Definitely weird either way. And our last story comes from Reddit user Rainbow Sprinkles, and I have titled it Just Keep Driving. 
This actually happened to my dad when I was about 11 or so. I could tell when he told me the day after it happened that he was genuinely scared. Before my dad retired, he worked all over the Midwest doing highway construction. He would be gone for one to two weeks at a time most of the summer, working sun up till sundown. One night, he was on his way home in the middle of the night. He was probably 40 miles from home, out in the middle of nowhere, and then he heard a knocking sound on the rear passenger truck door. He was instantly caught off guard and wondered if he should stop to get out to see what it was. He also thought about rolling his window down to see if he could figure out what made the sound. Something didn't feel right, so he decided to just keep driving. There was a town coming up soon anyway, so if it happened again, he could check it in the light. He got into town and the knocking had stopped. Somewhat relieved and getting closer to home, he decided to press on. As soon as he was out of the lights of the town, the knocking started again. This time he was terrified. It literally sounded like Knuckles knocking steadily on the back door. It happened a few more times until he reached the lights of his hometown. The next day, he told my mom and me. We all went out to inspect his truck, which was covered in dirt from the construction. Only on the back door, where the knocking came from, were what looked like knuckle marks. He knocked on the truck and it left nearly identical marks. Not long after that, we were speaking with a medicine man, we were Ashinabe, and my dad told him what happened. He told us that it was good that he didn't get out or roll down his window, or whatever it was would have gotten closer. These things don't have good intentions and will try to trick you. I'm glad my father was aware enough to recognize that something was negative. If you hear knocking while driving, just ignore it and keep moving. So this story freaks me out in particular because listening to all these driving encounters, whether they be ghostly, cryptid-related, or other, have gotten me spooked when I drive down the heavily forested road to my house late at night. There are other routes, but this one is definitely the fastest. Just the thought of something popping out at me while driving at night really puts me on edge, at least in the moment. I already have to deal with deer and stuff. I don't need to deal with anything else. So first, the boring, logical explanation. Could it be that small branches were hitting the doors, or maybe rocks from the road were being kicked up, causing knocking sounds as they hit the back half of the truck? And maybe the knuckle marks were made before, but are now visible because of the dust. At least that's the explanation I'd like to believe, given the alternative. That something was keeping up with the car and knocking on it with human-like hands. Bigfoot definitely comes to mind, but this is decidedly not Bigfoot behavior. Even when the shy guy becomes aggressive, I've never heard of one chasing a car, much less messing with the driver inside. But I have heard stories similar to this before, and it's something much more sinister than a Sasquatch. A skinwalker. We've mentioned these things before on previous Encounters episodes. They are Native American medicine men who have turned to, for lack of a better term, black magic. Their name comes from their power to don animal skins and transform into or gain aspects of that animal. One story I've heard actually comes from my state of Arkansas, coincidentally not far from the city of our first story, Eureka Springs. Man, that whole area is just weird, I guess. In this story, the driver was chased by a painted man 
And by painted, I mean Native American war paint. And this man easily kept up with the driver's car. The driver managed to lose it, but the very next morning, the man was standing in his backyard, looking at him through the window. Luckily, the man disappeared again, never to be seen again. I would really like to get the full story on that. From what I remember, he was a lineman, I think for Carol Electric. So if you know this man, please reach out to him and tell him to email me at snipehuntpodcast at gmail.com. So why are skinwalkers chasing down vehicles? That, I couldn't say. But from what little I found about this eerie phenomenon, I found two helpful tips. One, just keep driving. And two, don't ever, ever look at its face. And that's it for this Encounters episode. If you have a story you would like to share, please email me at snipehuntpodcast at gmail.com. You can either send it in text form, or if you'd like, you can record yourself and send me the recording. That way we can hear your story in your words. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating on whatever app will let you, and share the show with everyone you know. We're on nearly every social media platform, so check us out there. Just search Snipe Hunt Podcast into whatever search bar is available. You'll find us. We have topic voting for the $1 tier on Patreon and bonus audio for the $5 patrons. As usual, if you have a topic suggestion, a question, comment, criticism, or if you have a story, please contact us on social media or email us at snipehuntpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, just keep driving. Once again, we want to thank you for listening to Snipe Hunt. Your listening has been noted and will be reported to the proper authorities. All audio used was done so under the protection of fair use. Logo design is by Ethan Rothfuss. The music you heard in this episode was composed by Mayu and Nature World 1986. We'll continue to search for the unexplained and we'll hopefully see you on the next hunt. For me, at least. For me, at least this. For me, at least as far as paranormal explanation. For me. For me, at least as far as... For me, at least...